It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Anyhow, let's check you on Twitter, at Evan Roberts WFAN, and see what you have on your mind here on the latest edition of Rico Bronia. Peter Jefferson Hoffman, what you got? Uh, first of all, you answered a ton of questions. A lot of people were asking about the hits, like what do you, the, the hit batsman, what can they do? Uh, a lot of questions about just like J.D. Davis and other things. So you hit you hit a lot. But I'm going to try to focus in on some things that you didn't touch on. Hit me. At, at side retired pod, most important pitcher to resign this offseason, Bassett, Taiwan, or Carrasco? Well, that's a tough one. Because my view on that can change based on what happens in the second half of this season. I I never thought I would say Carlos Carrasco. By the way, real quick on Carlos Carrasco, if I'm not mistaken, the Mets have a team option on Carlos Carrasco. So I think we all assumed like, hey, there's no way the Mets would exercise that team option on Carlos Carrasco because he was coming off such a bad year last year. But I got to look that up. I got to double check it. I think the Mets actually have a team option on him. For something like, I would guess, 14 or $15 million. But I'm going to try to look that up and see if I'm right about that. Uh, so, Which would make things easy because the Mets have so many starting pitchers that are eligible for free agency at the end of the season. Now, Taiwan Walker, who's got some weird vesting option, but he's likely to be a free agent. Chris Bassett, there's also a vesting option on, but again, also really confusing. I think based on, that's a good question. By the way, it's a vesting option in 2023 for, for Carrasco. How much? It's it's weird. So 2023 vesting option includes a $3 million buyout. Vests with 170 innings pitched and healthy to start 2023. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dude, these options are weird. I You know what? I don't even understand. I it, think yeah. they all have weird options in their deal. I'd probably lean to Taiwan Walker based on the age. That's... I'd probably lean towards him. But look, if Taiwan Walker pitches in the second half the way he pitched last year in the second half, I'm probably not going to feel that way. But I think right now amongst those three guys, just based on the age, I'd prioritize Taiwan Walker. But folks, this offseason, this offseason is going to be a headache, man, because the Mets have so many free agents and so many key free agents. Obviously, the headline is Jacob DeGrom, and we've got to see him pitch before we really can form an opinion on that. And then after that, Edwin Diaz is a free agent. Edwin Diaz is coming off this ridiculous, or so far, season's not over. He's had a very good start to this season. Edwin Diaz is going to command a lot of money. And then the other guy who I think is really important is Brandon Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo is one of the guys that makes this offense go. So we're going to do, Pete, we may have to do podcasts every single day during the offseason because there's so much crap to kind of like comprehend. So, Med fans, my fellow Med fans, let us not think about the freaking offseason when the team's off to the second best start in the history of the franchise. Thank you. 
by the way, the just FYI, during this podcast, the can I spoil something for you? Did you finish watching the Yankee game? Probably not, right? Listen, I'm I'm very multi talented. I was watching the Yankee game while recording the podcast. So okay. So you know that they got the 50th win, right? Yeah, I know they got to their 50th win. So I put some trolling out there for all the Yankees fans. So that's what I was doing in between your speeches and whatnot. <laughs> Just an FYI. How could you troll the Yankees? What are you trolling the Yankees about? 50, 50 wins means nothing. You Great, you're you're a fantastic regular season team. It means nothing in the playoffs. That's all. Here's the Just problem. With put it back in reality. Pete, the problem with that is that <laughs> we are watching a baseball team that has the best record in the National League. Now it's... It's not by as significant a margin as the Yankees have the best record in the American League. And I think that all 45 wins matter. Like, I'm excited about the fact that the Mets are 45 and 24. So to say, hey, Yankee fans, 50 means nothing, that's like saying to us, well, 45 means nothing. And it means a lot. We're 45 and 24. We got the best record in the freaking National League. Does that not mean something to you? But here's the thing is, we don't have a track record of having a fantastic regular season every year. That's not that's the, that this is new to us. Because we never have good regular seasons. That's the point. They do it all the time and they lose all the time. So just a re- reminder. Right. Listen, I gotta bring them down a little bit. Okay. Let's get back to the tweets. I'm sorry. Um question from Anthony Leopards. Do you think the Mets will learn from the Yankees mistakes with Gary Sanchez when they make decisions on Alvarez? Well, what does that even mean though? That they're going to put an importance on playing the position defensively. And like if Francisco Alvarez hits for a ton of power, they're still going to prioritize how important it is to be a good um, defensive catcher, to be a good guy that, I mean, like what, what does that even mean in the context? Well, I, I, I would take it as, yeah, exactly. Like look at the difference that Sanchez being away from the Yankees has a, more of a positive effect the fact that Trevino is a professional catcher. Look at James McCann. We talk about what can the the Mets do to bring in a better hitting catcher. Yet James McCann has worked with this pitching staff so, so well. The- here's what I wonder, and and I don't know the answer to this. So I'm I'm literally wondering aloud. I think within the next three years they're going to bring in the Robo home umpires. I I think we all agree with that, right? Like that's going to happen at some point, not next year, but within the next Probably. three years. Probably, okay. yeah. That's going to eliminate the whole pitch framing phenomenon. And I think that's where the Mets and the Yankees have benefited. You know, Tomas Nito is a tremendous pitch framer. James McCann, tremendous pitch framer. Same thing with the Yankees. And it matters. Like, we can't ignore the importance of it. If you're stealing, you know, seven or eight strikes in the midst of a game, that matters. Like, if you're behind 0-2 as compared to ahead 2-0, like, it's a completely different at-bat. So I do think the importance of a really good pitch framing catcher, it can't be overstated. So I wonder if two years from now, when that's been eliminated because there's robo-umpires, like how important that's going to be. While defense behind the plate matters and having a good chemistry with your pitcher matters, I think that losing that ability to cheat and kind of a, and not cheat in a bad way, but acquiring extra strikes in a game how much that's going to matter. With that said, if Francisco Alvarez, and I haven't seen any evidence that this is the case. He's still a young player. He's still in double A. You have to work, have to hope he's going to work his ass off with whatever the pitching staff is by the time he gets the opportunity to catch all the time, that catching matters. Like, it's really, really important. And if you feel it's hurting your pitching staff, but you can hit enough, you can become the DH. Here's the problem with Gary Sanchez that eventually happened. 
Mike Piazza was such a good offensive player that you were able to put up, and and I'm not comparing Mike to Gary because I thought Mike handled the pitching staff really well, but we were able to put up with mediocre defense because Mike Piazza was so good offensively. Gary Sanchez eventually wasn't good enough offensively to put up with his crappy defense. So if Francisco Alvarez, who's mashing the ball at double A, comes up to the majors and is subpar defensively, but the guy's going to hit 40 home runs a season, you're going to live with a few days a week where a guy is behind the plate and is not great defensively. The fact that there's a DH, which now exists, and I don't think we're ever going to see, for the most part, full-time DHs. I think we're away from that. Guys like Nelson Cruz, they're dinosaurs. They're gone. The DH is going to be used the way the Mets are essentially using it as a way station, as, all right, this guy will play DH a couple days a week, this guy will play DH a couple days a week, and if you have a big, bruising offensive catcher who's not great defensively, you can use him to DH two or three days a week. But I think we're a ways away from that because Alvarez has to come to the major leagues. He's got to hit, and let's see what he is defensively. Let's see how he works with a pitching staff. Well, well, to double down on that, Ed DeJesus, 27, who, what do you think the best option is for DH? Keep JD out there, hunt for a bigger bat, or call someone up like Alvarez or Vientos? I would love to see Mark Vientos get an opportunity. I would love to see Dom Smith get more at-bats. I, look, we've seen J.D. Davis for a month, okay? Yeah, a little bit more than, a little bit less than that, maybe three and a half weeks. He is what he is. Like, I'm not convinced all of a sudden J.D. Davis is going to become this, you know, 325, 20 home run guy. So I think before July 31st, Dom Smith, Mark Vientos, I guess for now I would let Alvarez just continue to mash in the minor leagues, but probably it's going to lead to acquiring somebody at the trade deadline. Uh, I got a uh, tweet earlier today, unrelated, saying, what about Josh Bell? I heard you guys talk about Nelson Cruz last week. What about Josh Bell? Yeah, in theory, Josh Bell makes even more sense. He's a switch hitter. He could play first base. He's had a productive season. I think why I've leaned towards Nelson Cruz is that I guess I feel the price tag will be less. That because he's 41 years old or 42 years old and he's not having a monster year, that maybe you're not going to have to give up that much. Not that I'm afraid of price tags, but after last year where they gave Pete Crow Armstrong up for nothing because Javier Baez was a wasted rental, at least that's the way it turned out, I don't want to hoard my prospects, but I want to be smart about which prospects the Mets trade. So Josh Bell absolutely makes sense. Nelson Cruz absolutely makes sense. But I also am looking at how could I add a bat without really mortgaging the system and giving up too much. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I I agree. Um, from By the way, did you see O'Neill Cruz before? O'Neill Cruz is a stud. They finally called him up in Pittsburgh, yes. Dude, he's 6'7"? He's a big man. He hits the ball hard. He throws the ball hard. He's a freaking stud. It's like illegal. To, uh, <laughs> he looks so odd at shortstop, but that's just besides when I saw him hit a, he got a, a, a base clearing double today and it looked fantastic. He runs so Yeah, no, he looks like day. an athlete, man. He should have been in the major leagues for weeks now. Uh, at Rick Samino one, Evan, I'm begging you. It's statute, 
not statue of limitations. I've never said statue of limitations. Well, that's Rick Sabinio. <laughs> I probably have, but I believe him. Uh, here's a good one. You like this. Actually, I, I have a couple more. Hold on. Uh, this is more pertaining to City Field itself. What are your thoughts, uh, Paul, Paul Ney? What are your thoughts on the new signage at City Field, especially the LED panels on the dugouts? Yeah, I know, dude, I noticed that a few weeks ago. Or not a few weeks ago, at the beginning of this homestand. I also noticed, because I sit um, in the 300s, and right in front of me, I noticed they put up a scoreboard. I'm like, where the hell did this come from? And I tried to lean over and look, and I couldn't tell. I think it looks great. I mean, look, I, as much as I love old-time stadiums, you know, more scoreboards, the better, because you get more information. Uh, even though they're basically using it to promote Old Timers Day. At least that's what I saw. I- I'm excited to see what that big new video screen is going to look like next year. Because I saw a rendering of it at the beginning of the season. Like, they're going to take the right center field scoreboard, they're going to take the screen in center field, and they're going to combine them. And they're going to make some type of mega screen, which is going to be epic to see. I can't wait to see that. But so far, so good. I mean, I, I can't I'll- complain. A la Jerry's World type of thing? Like I that, think so. You, I, that, oh my Dude, God, this thing really is going to awesome. be so freaking monstrous. By the way, real quick, before we wrap up this edition of Rico, and obviously we'll give you another one after the two-game series against the Astros, uh, me and Pete Hoffman are facing each other in fantasy baseball. Mm. Do you want to make a side bet? Like, is there something I, along? I do. What, what would you like to put yes. on the line? All right. And I don't know if you'd be down for it. If... If I lose, I'll go to any crappy wrestling event you ask me to go to. That sounds like you're just trying to come to a wrestling event. No, I don't want to go to a wrestling <laughs> event. What I want you to do is there's a UFC event July 16th at the UBS Arena. I want you to go oh, there. Oh, God. All right, we could do other things, but that's what I had. Uh, I know. UBS well, we Arena. I, it's a pain in the ass to get there. I only go there for the Islanders. Now you want me to come to an MMA event? Listen, I mean, there's also, there's also, uh, they come to MSG every year, the November, you know, I understand. Listen, those are the summertime too. I, 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 I respect it, that you love MMA. I really do. And I've tried to get into it. And I know this sounds like hypocritical because I'm a wrestling fan. <laughs> I just think it's so boring. I really do. I, I feel boring. Like, yeah, so boring. Like out of everything, you could say barbaric, too bloody, but boring. <laughs> oh my god, that's not too barbaric for me. That's fine. Show me blood, break arms. <laughs> I don't care. I just, I'm so used to the constant action of wrestling and the way they script the ending to make it exciting. But I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. There's no chairs being you know hit over people's heads yeah. at the end of fights. I want to see chairs go over people's head. Now, yeah, if you, you just if you gave me that, I'd be totally into it. You just missed out this past weekend. There was like eight knockouts, eight finishes. It was incredible. See, like you you must be watching like the worst of worst fights. All right, I but will listen. agree that if I lose, I'll go to an MMA event. But if I win, I'm going to rename your fantasy team whatever I want for one week. Is that fair? That I'm totally down. That's fine. <laughs> and All I'll right, let the to... and I'll let the listeners of the Rico Brunia decide what we name your fantasy team. For one week. Right now, his fantasy name, very lame name, is nothing but the best. Where, yeah. where is that from? Do you just think you're the best? Is that where it's from? Oh, it's Frank Sinatra, first of all. But I have. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't I, even think of that. Okay. And, and then, I, dude, I've had that. That was my first ever fantasy team name. I've never changed it. For We're going on decades. Now. Well, I got news for you. If I beat you this week in fantasy <laughs> baseball, for one week, only one week, 
I will change the name, and then you can bring it back to nothing but the best. All right? I I appreciate that. And I, I will listen. I'm gonna do my best to beat the crap out of you. I need to now. Best of all, just huge. for the record, I am uh, 12 games up in the division ahead of Pete Hoffman, so he's got a chance to cut some ground into me if he could have a big week this week in fantasy baseball. I do have Max Scherzer, so maybe you get to have to deal with Max on Sunday afternoon in Miami against the Marlins if he comes back. Well, the good thing is I can't imagine him getting six innings, so no quality start. That is true. I feel good about that. Well, then again, you could imagine him going six innings because he's Max Scherzer and he's effing crazy. And you're gonna tr- and, and he'll do anything to beat me. I bet that's on his <laughs> yes, mind. Yes, he's too. very motivated. <laughs> uh, we'll, uh, last, last thing, yes. last, last, last Twitter question. One more. Go ahead. Because this is this is for you. Does WWE sell if McMahon has to step down? I, I've been thinking for the last few years Vince was going to have to sell. I, there's a part of me worried about this because even though, you know, I'm so used to Vince McMahon owning the company and he always wants big, strong, beefy guys to be champions, I the idea of Disney owning the WWE kind of scares me. The idea of NBC owning the WWE kind of scares me. But I'll go with this. I don't think Vince is going to sell. The more I think about it, I I thought he was going to sell. Now I think he's going to hold on for dear life, and he will never, ever sell the WWE. And when he's dead, Paul Levesque, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon are going to run the show. So I thought when Vince came out on SmackDown and said whatever he said, the signature is long, forever, friendship. That was his way of defiantly saying, I'm not going anywhere. You could sue me. You can scare me. You could do whatever you want. I'm Vince McMahon, damn it. I'm not going anywhere, so he will never sell. That's my prediction. Well, thank you very much for all your tweets at Evan Roberts, WFN. We'll record another Rico right after the series against the Astros. That'll be sometime Wednesday night. They have a two-game series with them. And then after the three-game series in Miami against the Marlins. You can check out Pete with Tiki and Tierney during the week on WFN and me 2 to 6.30 with Craig. Thank you for listening to Rico Brunia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.